Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 745, recording today live on Wednesday the... Gosh, what is it? It's the 1st of February, isn't it? We're in a new month already. Uh, oh, I can't see that. That just throws up my notifications. Oh, where's my date? I'll take it as a, yeah, Wednesday, let's say it's the 1st of February. If it's the 2nd, you'll have to sue me. I'm sure you're not setting your entire life uh, um, events around my inaccurate description of dates on a niche podcast, uh, which is to do with music technology. This is uh, the podcast that we like to talk about music production. We talk about, uh, well, it's starting to be AI as well now, because that's starting to move in that area. We'll have some topics a little bit about uh, about that a little bit later. Uh recording, uh, performing, synthesizers, drum machines, software, instruments, the whole kind of gamut, everything that surrounds music technology, music production. So I want to welcome you all. Thanks very much, everybody, for joining us in the chat rooms. I think we may or may not have uh, the cross-posting. Some of it's working, some of it isn't. I know we had a little bit of trouble, but I want to say thanks to Wagyu anyway for uh, his help with the... Um, uh, what do you call it? Moderating. That's right. Keeping out the lonely ladies and uh, and uh, other sort of spam that turns up. Because now we're quite popular. We get all sorts of weirdos and strange uh, um, propositions turning up in the chat, which I suppose is good, uh, but in other ways is bad. So thanks, Wagyu, for uh, filtering for us. It's always very handy. Uh, so anyway, let's uh, just say hello to some of our guests. Uh, well, we have two guests. We've I've got Paulie Bow, who we haven't seen for a really long time. Who is? Hold on, I have the button. It's funny because I use it. It is because I still I use a template. It's just like oh, that'll still be there. So it is still there. I'm very pleased to say, uh, Paulie, of course, uh, musician, performer, um, and is that an Amiga in the background? Digi Chief interested in uh, um, digital technology from the 80s and 90s. In fact, you did a great uh, um, uh, five minutes with the MC1. She's not. I mean, it's got its roots in the 80s and 90s. Certainly, the UI, perhaps you could say, was <laughs> and the concept, right? <laughs> Definitely. It's not too dissimilar from like a, a, a JV 1080, basically. Right. Um, yeah, it's so, quite similar, isn't it? So it's just got more, more waveforms in. So I just kind of, uh, I just went through and recreated some of my patches and my pads that I liked from that synth. And, uh, and they sounded pretty much the same on the, the 101. So I was pretty happy with that. I think the reverb's actually better on the 101 than the old stuff. More yeah, well, you'd hope so. I mean, <laughs> there's been a bit of, there has been a certain amount of DSP progress, one would hope, in the last 30 yes. years. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe one, we don't, maybe we don't deserve anything better. <laughs> yeah. One one humorous thing that happened was everyone thought it was you, Nick, and you'd had a, a manicure or something. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, yes, there was. There were lots of comments on that, but it was a great piece. And I, I'm hoping I can persuade you to uh, look at some more of those because it went really well. So I'm hoping that you'll be, uh, uh, you'll be encouraged by that. So what, what else is going on? Because I know, you know, we know you've uh, just had a baby. There's that going on. Uh, how's music? What's, what else is happening in your life? We haven't seen you for ages. I had labyrinthitis, which oh. isn't as good as it sounds. No, you know, it doesn't mean no. you turn into an excellent songwriter, uh, able to write uh, number one chart hits with Emily Sanday. It means sure. something completely different, <laughs> right? <laughs> Definitely. Um, it's you lose all balance in your ears. Oh, thankfully, I didn't get. I didn't get the tinnitus aspect of it, which 
would be an absolute nightmare as a musician <laughs> if it was like you know some kind of key like e flat you'd have to just play music in e flat for a month wouldn't you just to uh just so it didn't clash but yeah um yeah really, oh i'm sorry to hear that slowly getting better but you know i'm recovered now and uh i've been putting all my uh my energy into the arcade dream soundtrack oh yeah of course that project yeah. i'm on that documentary we've got um we've got like an, an episode cut now so yeah right going really well. Serious business, serious business. business. It's interesting. Labyrinthitis, my daughter had something similar. um, And it was really, did you get the thing where your eyes just kind of are going like this all the time because your balance is off and you're looking for references and it really affects, that is, it's like being in, she said it, she described it like being, I mean, she was, she was always been as a child, not fond of feeling nauseous as many of us don't but she got a bit of a thing about it and she yeah. described having what she had like being inside a washing machine Definitely. And, uh, that yeah that is because uh, it, it there's not even when you're still you just feel like you're constantly moving around it sounds horrible 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 well, you could sit down um, for i could sit down for maybe 20 25 minutes and it'd be okay and then i'd go to stand up and maybe stand up too quickly and I'd just be like Mr. Soft from the old Soft Mints advert, you know, just completely um, all over the place. So I'm glad maybe it's preparing me for old age because people tell me you can't stand up too quickly as you got older. So I don't think you get it quite so badly, but no, it's quite so. I know Dave Spears had labyrinthitis for a little while. And the thing is, and this is, I know this is it's kind of really not nothing to do with music technology, but I think sometimes um, it can be caused by listening conditions, it can be caused by stress, heavy stress, because it burns the inner, inner ear and the, so the, uh, the ilia, which are inside the canal, they lose their ability to sense which direction the liquid's flowing in, which is what's, what does your balance. But then, you know, your eyes and the rest of your senses are trying to compensate. Um, uh, I forgot where I was going with this, but I was going to say that um, it makes you... It, it can make you just it really, really uncomfortable, and uh, yeah, it's it's not yeah, a, cool. uh, not a. But there are there's a manoeuvre that you can do apparently, which is if you're there's a, you put you lie your head back, and then it, there's a sort yeah. of sudden twist, which basically what it does is resets the liquid in the canals, and it, it and it can help. Oh, okay. It helps with that, but uh, yeah, there's all sorts. I can't remember the name of the manoeuvre, but uh, yeah, it's a very it's a not a very nice thing to have happen to you at all. No. But so but um, goes- my condolences, and I'm glad you're recovered. Yeah, it does go in the end. So if you ever get it, because a lot of lot of people I know have got it virally from this latest flu. If you get it, just remember it will go within. I think it was maybe two, just over two weeks, for me. Yeah, it can so, be viral as well. There we go. Lady Aptitude says it's the Pulitzer maneuver, and I think that's right. So uh, thank you very that's much. Cool. I knew it was had a, had a specific name. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll get back to you in a sec. We're just going to say hello to uh, Mr. Matt Hodson, aka Maths, uh, Maths, Maths, Maths dot com. Nice to see you, Matt. Nice to see you back with your lovely background, which we were so enamoured with last week. You look like you're a screensaver on a an OS nine slash OS ten era Macintosh, which I think is yeah. not a bad look, if I may say so. Well, yeah, if you want me to uh, move out the way, everyone can just take a screen grab of it and then you can put it on your desktops. And, uh, or even with me there like this. 
Take a screenshot what now. A, what a great thought. Maybe we could offer it to our Patreon subscribers, yeah. couldn't we? Who knows? Get it on your Amiga. That's it. Let's do that. Anyway, lovely to have you, Matt. Um, how are you? You've been, um, uh, well, as you know, I, I, as we know, some people know that you're you're sort of setting up your new studio in a new uh, a new habitation. So always, lots of stuff yeah. to think about, I'd imagine. Any any great uh, breakthroughs and new, uh, new stuff going? Going on this week um yeah there's uh, yeah uh because i'm getting some new cases for my modules because as you might know I've, I've had them on the wall in the past which has been really good i've enjoyed having modules on the wall so i've just sold some those cases they've gone off because of my new setup and i've been looking into i found this chap and he did this great post on reddit about how he made some module cases out of aluminium and they're these kind of poles with uh, screws all the way along them, screw holes all the way along them. Essentially, you can make a modular case out of aluminium very, very cheaply, and you can make it modular. So you can keep adding to it or detracting from it or changing the size of it, depending on what you want. Because as we all know, if you know, the thing about modular is you buy a case, and before you know it, you want another case, and then you're upgrading, and you're upgrading, changing cases. It's expensive. So I've been yeah. looking into building, designing a modular case, uh, which is super, super geeky. Other than that, um, I've also been rehearsing because apparently I've got a gig coming up. In oh, yeah, I forgot to say. Well, actually, I should uh, let me see. Hold on. I think uh, if I press the right button and then press the other right button, we have uh, Sonic Emom 2, which is, uh, yeah, so uh, mm. if I go here, yeah. yes. Oh, Looking for forward to sake. this one. That's I think it's that one. There, there it is. is. Yeah. Matt's playing. In fact, I've put you on the you're on the on the bill there with a little bit of a video. What I'm doing is I'm right. I'm creating a, a teaser. So every time we have someone confirmed, I post a thing on Facebook saying, here's some music of the act, here's the act. Here's, you know, and that it all gets updated. And it just means that we can keep the ticket sales kind of going. I mean, tickets, it's only a fiver because we're just trying to cover the PA and the, we're getting an engineer to help us out stuff. So all of, and the, yeah. the room hide. But yeah, looking forward to this, Matt. And, uh, yeah, me yeah. too, man. The really, really good, the last one. Um, and yeah, if anyone, everyone's, anyone's coming along, drop me a line. Um, I should be around for the whole event. It'd be good to, to actually meet some of you in real life. Any of you keen Sonic staters? who hang around here, us weirdos, as we as we put it earlier. Absolutely. Uh, no, it'd be fantastic. So, yeah, well, and that's really good news. So anyway, well, sounds like things are moving on a bit. Uh, like I say, yeah. what have we been up to? Well, oh, before I do that, I'm just going to post a little plug for our Patreon because I do. And I know that I recorded this ad when I had a cold, but hey, what can you do? I haven't had time because I've been in Poland, but I'll tell you a bit about that afterwards. Why not consider joining us on Patreon? For the price of a cup of coffee, you get ad-free versions of everything that we do. There's also lots of exclusive video. A recent one is uh, another 30 minutes of Osmo's demo that we shot with Gaz and Chris stuff there's patches there's sample downloads and there's also all the pre-show sonic talk stuff that we don't post anywhere else uh, if you want to join us before the end of the show and you pick our upper tier which is still only a couple of cups, cups of coffee a month you'll get your name over the end credits thanks very much for watching 
Yes, anyway, that's that's the plugs going on. But uh, yes, so we've just come back from Warsaw. We went uh, literally on Monday morning and came back last night. I drove back home. I got home about midnight last night. We went to uh, to visit uh, Soma Electronic, uh, the Soma Labs, Soma Synth. I don't know, you know, Vlad Kreimer and the gang who've got a, a factory in the outskirts of Warsaw. We did a little factory tour, had a good look at the uh, Terra, which is now in production. Uh, so they're literally, they've got 10 prototypes and then the next batch are going to be, they're going to be I'm just looking around the factory and they've actually got real people soldering things, you know, through hole soldering on circuit boards. It's really, it's really old school, but you know, they're banging them out. It's, uh, it's really interesting. Anyway, I hope you're going to, that'll be coming up soon. We'll be posting some stuff on that. So that's where I've been. Interesting place. Never been before. Um, just, I don't know if anybody else has been to Poland, but it's a massive country. Absolutely massive. Really nice beer. That's all I will say. Uh, uh, although I can't remember the brand and I could, uh, and I haven't been able to find anything like it over here. They do a very nice wheat beer. But yeah, more content with that coming up. Anyway, that's just um, about... Uh, th that'll do there. Uh, let me, let's get on to some actual topics. Uh, um, while we're away, uh, in fact, this got delivered. We've got one of these on the desk, so hopefully we'll be doing something a little bit louder. But uh, let's just post... The new Pittsburgh Modular Tiger, which Inspired is a three oscillator. And driven by the goals of pushing analog synthesis technology forward. Tiger is a showcase of our most creative and exciting new ideas. The sound of Tyga can be attributed to three uniquely Pittsburgh innovations. These enable us to not only create sounds that we would traditionally expect from an analog mono synth, but also to explore new sonic textures and performance possibilities. First, the signal path begins with three huge analog... I, there's tons of video content that went out and sadly uh, we got sent them with the idea of doing a, a live stream with uh, Richard Nicol who I really respect as an engineer I think his his designs are fantastic and he said you know the stuff he does with create audio they sound great uh, unfortunately Gaz was away last week and we were in Poland this week on the launch day so it just it wasn't to work it wasn't to be so uh, top tip manufacturers if you want us to get involved give us a little bit more time and then we may be able to work something out but uh, it just it just didn't happen I'll come to you first Matt because because I know you're, well, you're into modular, right? Have you got any Pittsburgh stuff at all? I mean, because it's been a while since we've had something new from those guys, isn't it? Mate, absolutely. Actually, Pittsburgh is one that I do not and have not owned. And, really? Uh, th yeah, there's, I don't think there's any particular reason for that, Nick. You know, I'm not one of, I'm not prude. I'm not prude when it comes to what modules I'm buying by which company or anything like that. But um, I don't have any of their stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just... I'm not sure why I don't. Maybe I should have a look at that stuff because I was well, actually tell really impressed. Yeah, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you where you could start. Where you could start. I mean, this would be a great start. It's a big one. But if you're looking for small, the uh, Captain Bigo, which is actually the Create Audio one, but that's designed by Richard Nichol, has got the kind of the heart and the guts of wavefolding a multi-wave oscillator. And it's, it's like 150 bucks. It's really affordable. Okay. And it sounds absolutely brilliant. So it's worth checking yeah. that out, and th th yeah, it's an interesting still, thing. What they've done with the, what they, what they've done with this is they've created. It's got three oscillators which wave fold, so they and they also wave shape, and they wave fold waves that you're not that don't usually are, are not usually foldable in analog, and they've figured out a way to do it so you can wave fold square and uh, sawtooth uh, and have an actual meaningful tumbral shift through the wave folding, and that's quite unique. And they are analog oscillators as well, so. 
Yeah, the, the key message I've got from this actually from the videos I've seen is analog because um, they did that kind of precursor video to this as well where they were really pushing that analog thing, which uh, yeah. I, again, that's never been a, a thing for me. I'm not an analog or digital purist. Um, sure. I, don't, I, I really don't think about, oh, am I buying a module that's digital or analog? But having said that, if they've been able to achieve what seems like they've not been able to achieve before in the analog domain, then, then great. And I must admit, I've listened to the demos, been super impressed by the quality of the oscillators in particular from this, particularly yeah. hearing some of the FMing going on. And love the layout of it. Um, it's about the same size, I think, of like a DFAM or something like that. So, Mother 32, we're, yeah, yeah. Mother 32. So we're seeing this kind of plethora of of uh, these kind of desktop synths coming out that are semi-modular. And um, they've all got this kind of same form factor now. And I kind of like this. I, I really do like this. I think it's it's um, it's that middle ground, isn't it, between having a, a pure Euro rack setup and a synthesizer. You've got this kind of middle, middle land of um, a semi-modular. Um, you've got filter, you've got mixers, you've got oscillators, you've got processing and all that kind of stuff um, in, in one unit. So, you know, for I think the price was about $799 or something like that. Which, US, yeah, which when you US. consider what what, a, consider, what a Mother yeah. 32 would cost you, that's quite a lot of synth for the money. And I think what's happened is because yeah. they've been working with Create Audio who have figured out how to take sort of boutique manufactured electronics and, and make make it more scalable that it, those cost savings have been sort of brought back but it's definitely the the primo brand but yeah i would agree man mm. i mean it it's got because it's got their filter which is also quite a nice filter but at the same and it's also got a dynamics module which has got a low pass gate so you've got kind of two tonal each of the oscillators will tonally shape and so will the uh so will the, the, the low-pass gate. So it's quite an interesting set of uh, tonal variations. I mean, I've had a little bit of time to play with it, and it's quite interesting. The first oscillator is tunable over, I think it's like, it's plus or minus a fifth. But the second one, the, the second two, really wide. So you can switch the pitch off and mm. use them as uh, mod sources, or mod uh, and they go right down into LFO and right up into, uh, into, into that world. It's kind of an interesting set of uh, parameters that you've got to work you've with. You've got... Yeah. Um a built-in MIDI to CV convert on this as well. So, yeah. you know, anyone out there who's thinking, you know, about buying something like this and then they haven't really been into that kind of world of semi-modular and you're just using a computer still, then this looks really good because you can interface your computer with this outboard really, really easy. Uh, so those of you who are thinking, oh, I don't really want to get into that world of desktop semi-modular, um, because I'm more used to working in box. I think this this is a good stepping stone mm. in that direction for sure. It does have paraphony, which I haven't explored yet, and I'm not sure quite yeah. how that manifests itself through the MIDI to CV gate or whether it's internal routing, but that might be something that, that's a sort of interesting additional utility as well, but to be able to do that. I know, uh, I, I can't remember, Paulie, whether, you do, whether you're modular, uh, a friend of modular, or whether, you, uh, whether you're sticking to what you have, but you do have I'm some modular, modular right? down there. Yeah. Okay, I do beg your pardon. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. I would cast aspersions. Yeah. Remember, I got out at 6U104HP, and everyone congratulated right. me. <laughs> but yeah, I've got um, I've got one Pittsburgh module, and it's amazing. And 
I'd recommend if you can if you can get one because it's discontinued in second hand. It's called the DNA Symbiotic Waves, and it's oh, a wow. digital oscillator, the digital dual oscillator, um, with two eight-bit oscillators that have about sixteen shapes each, and a knob in the middle that blends those oscillators in about six, eight or ten different ways, like bit crush, ring, sync, stuff like that. So it's if you pair it with a nice filter, you um you get sounds akin to like the old Ensonic ESQ one kind of vibe, you know, the the digital oscillator into the analog filter. Um so that's right. that's a real good one if um if you can spot one second hand. Um but yeah, I love I love this stuff. Um you'll have to tell us your thoughts, Nick, on this compared to the now discontinued MFB Dominion One, because it's a similar right. setup, isn't it? Three oscillators, each with FM in between. Yeah, but they don't. The 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 heart of these oscillators is wave folding and wave shaping, whereas the Dominions sure. are more about analog waves. And but then the cross modulation between them, I I, I yeah. would yeah. But just having three, and it will also play uh, with paraphony, like I said. So there is. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. What, it'd that's be interesting. Great. It'll be interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair that's point. Cool. Uh, well, I know the Dominion's way bigger. How's that for an initial? There we go. <laughs> the Dominion's about <laughs> five or six times larger. There we go. That'll be it. Yeah. I'll just use that. That that'll do. <laughs> uh, yeah, available now. Like I say, seven nine nine US. Uh, I think we have. Yeah, we've got the web page up here. Six nine nine US. Seven nine nine US. Not sure what it gets to when it. By the time it gets over here, maybe they'll be affordable. But uh, I think you know, even though. You know, it's not an insignificant amount of money, but it does seem like you're getting quite a lot for that um, that amount of cash. So, uh, cool. yeah, two envelopes, only one LFO, but it goes into audio rates. But you could you could repurpose one of the uh, oscillators to to do modulation duties as well. So there's an awful lot of potential there, and I've only just really scratched the surface. We do, I think what we're going to do is we're going to do a thing with uh, me and Gaz, because Gaz got sent one as well. We're going to do a thing with three-way between me and Gaz and Richard uh, Nichols. So uh, that should be an interesting piece, or maybe we'll dig a bit deeper and get nerdy with kind of patching ideas. Because, I mean, that's the thing with these things, because it's it's quite... An, uh, the way folded, it's complex oscillator stuff is, is very much a West Coast vibe, and this is obviously a blend between the two technologies. But there is a certain approach to getting the best out of that West Coast oscillator and the sort of applications you do for it and the sort of patching ideas that you have. So hoping I, I, I might get some uh, get schooled in that from Richard because he's definitely um, the man to talk to there. Okay, um, I, was just, I think uh, it's probably... I was just thinking... Oh, yeah, go... Um, sorry, yeah, just on this one, you know, the releasing of this, um, and it seems like they're available. I, I'm just wondering, is that because, you know, this company has been waiting on chips to become available and now they've suddenly become available and this product is the first thing that they can get out to market. I wonder if this was something that was scheduled for about a year ago as well. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I just stopped uh, yeah, firing I in my I head about I, all that stuff. I don't know. You may well be right. It may be something to do with that. I mean, I suspect the complexity of it and the manufacture process, because I'd imagine it's not hand-built, 
because it's quite small that's going to be kind of so that maybe there's just you know because sometimes you have to to and fro a few times you get oh, this mm. isn't working yet this needs tweaking because i did i'm sure i saw some version of this at super Booth. they sort of oh. brought over a suitcase and said we were going to show it but we've decided not to this time and i saw it last may so you, right. you might be right it has been around about a year i mean i'm sure and i think they've been talking about it it's not the first time it's been uh, discussed but, but it's the first time it's been properly released but there's great videos out uh, Luke Pop's got one I think Bo Beats has got one and I think that uh, Robin Vincent has got one as well so do check all of those out there's a lot there and I think um, uh, Richard has got a bunch as well so yeah there's lots of and we'll just be adding to that canon of videos but ours will be great as well obviously uh, um, let me just have a quick word from our friends over at Isotopes Ozone 10 is the future of mastering the new version includes the Master Assistant, which matches your master to any reference file. The advanced version includes a stabilizer module, adding mixed clarity with an intelligent and adaptive mastering EQ, and an impact module, which enhances the rhythm by controlling microdynamics. Don't forget, you can use the code SONIC10, that's SONIC10, at isotope.com forward slash SONIC TALK to save an additional 10% off any one-off software purchase. That's SONIC10 at isotope.com forward slash SONIC talk uh thank you very much dom uh is it, um, she's going to be accruing some massive royalties uh, over this uh, i imagine mm -hmm. um, and although nothing nothing compared to the ones he gets from his fabulous christmas hit uh, that we if, if, if you've been following his uh, his uh, appearances of sonic talk we talked about at the beginning um but yes i want to say thank you very much uh, to isotope for sponsoring if you want to head over to sonic take so isotope.com forward slash sonic talk uh, they've got a special landing page with uh, details on the coupon to use sonic 10 to get 10 percent off any software purchase i would much appreciate their support as ever um right okay what have we got next <clears throat> there's a whole bunch that it's really interesting i mean we're the zeitgeist is, isn't it? it at the moment is ai there's a lot of talk about ai and a lot of talk about machine learning and all kinds of things i, I think um I, I think this was you wasn't it matt who uh, who sent this one a couple of weeks ago we didn't get it in last week so i'll play this uh, well i'll play it and you can tell me if it was you or not i think it was hmm. so this is uh, basic Meet pitch basic i think pitch. it's uh, it uses machine wow. learning to transcribe the notes you play into midi it's free open source software and doesn't require any special hardware in fact you can use the demo right on our website for this demo, I'll use this recording of a tune I wrote. That's horrible, but well with other emphonic music and pitch. There, are, I think you can so you can hum into it, and it'll do. You know, on the web page, it's really interesting. It's, I mean, it just as a great utility for starters. I'm not quite sure what Spotify have got to do with it. I'm imagining that they're going to be able to pull all sorts of metadata, which will build their massive, huge database of stuff that they've got on us <laughs> and music, uh, which may not be the most benign use, but it, actually it could be useful for just sort of pitch to MIDI. And the fact that it works in the browser is kind of interesting. What was it that kind of uh, sparked, piqued your interest? Yeah, I think a couple of things. First is you've seen something like this in Ableton now for years, although I don't think they're using AI in there, but AI, uh, Ableton's got that inbuilt, you know, convert audio to MIDI, which generally works really well. I use it a lot, actually, particularly when I'm doing remixes and I might be sent audio files over and I want to convert that to MIDI. Brilliant. But I saw this and, yeah, I was piqued interest, one, because it's from Spotify. Hmm. So that says to me Spotify doing other things other than 
you know, being a streaming platform or they've got interest in doing this? I mean, why would they bring something like this out? What is it that they're testing? I kind of feel like this might be a precursor for yeah. something much bigger. Maybe I'm just getting a bit... Cool. Data set. Collecting yeah. a data set for something, maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm just being a bit of conspiracy theorist there or something. But, um, you know, why, why then? That's quite an interesting one. And, and I think the other thing is, because it's free, if you don't have Ableton then you can jump on here and you can you can do this you and it's really easy to use and it, it just it just says to me that this is like the tip of the iceberg of of some th technologies that are being introduced introduced to us slowly by different companies and um and where's this actually going you know what is the benefit of spotify releasing something like this what can they do with that and you, as you mentioned nick data set taking they're collecting data, a, they've got to like. be collecting a data set. They've got to. Yeah. Spotify wouldn't. I, I don't think Spotify do stuff uh, uh, for the good of the community, if I'm perfectly honest. But there may be a spin-off. Uh, uh, it says it's brought to you by the researchers and engineers at Spotify's Audio Intelligent Lab. Because they, they pull all sorts of data. Because also, I suppose, the stats that they collect is like how far people listen into certain tracks, whether people skip back to sections of tracks. So if they've then got the MIDI data of that track as well, so they'll know the key, the sequence of notes that's all kinds of things that they could use to maybe build moody or uh, popular uh, uh, playlist selections or clips uh, for social media there's a, there's a kind of because it extracts the data that they can then pull because if they run their all their music through it and the, the midi data which is going to be tiny amounts of metadata i mean you know uh, even mm. though it's polyphonic and do i don't know it'd be interesting i don't what do you think paul is it something that is of use i can't really think what i would use it for but i just think it's cool no. Can we talk about more about the conspiracy stuff? Because that's really interesting. Yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, you know, people, Why not? People tech giants and stuff. So for the past, I'm going to say, I listen to quite a lot of um, songs and albums on YouTube because I can't ever remember the Spotify account um, login on my phone. And uh, I've noticed in maybe the past fortnight or so, when I've been listening to songs and then an advert comes on, the advert is in a genre and key that is kind of appropriate. Do you understand? So I'm listening to an 80s classic or something. The advert will come on for a car and it will be kind of 80s-ish music that isn't in a key that's complete. And I'm wondering, is this some kind of AI subliminal advertising where maybe the advertiser's message will go in more if you're not pulled out of the the experience. Do you know what I mean? But if everyone could just see if they notice over the next few weeks, if you're watching videos on YouTube, especially music videos, just see if the adverts are randomly appropriate, you know? Like there's a, there's a funk song when you've been listening to funk. There's a 80s song when you've been listening to... You know. And it's got the key as well. That that kind of makes sense because then it's not grating, is it? It's going to be because, uh, as we know, yeah. uh, I think YouTube, bizarre YouTube. I don't know what the stats are, but for a long time YouTube has been one of the more popular music streaming platforms, even though it's for video. Oh. And it seems like an enormous it's an enormous waste of bandwidth to be pulling down, yeah. you know, a slideshow or some Mandelbrot animation to just to listen just to listen to your your music. Yeah, um, but it, it does seem to be uh, the way so maybe yeah maybe you're right maybe it start i mean there is a common theme developing here because there's some other ai stuff that we're going to be talking about today which is yeah. 
it, it's starting to feel like we're getting, you know, it. this stuff always seems nifty. You go, that's cool. But then when you sort of maybe extrapolate from it, you sort of think, well, is it for the good of mankind, really? Or is it just going to create some massive evil, evil robot AI intelligence thing that we, before we realise it, we'll be able to... Uh, replicate itself and also draw and generate its own power because then it then you know as a species we're doomed tuned justin bieber kind of <laughs> oh my god can you imagine that can you imagine that it's it matt what have you done i'm not sure you expected this this well, level this conversation to come out for, maybe you did no, I, don't, I, I don't mind and let's not pretend we know what what ai is either let's not pretend any of us know what this is going to mean for the future of music or sure. even in education we're, we're seeing students using ai tools to write essays and things like that there's there's an awful lot of uh, adjustment going on um in education there's a lot of adjustment going on i think in terms of um well let's put it this way you've seen a lot of people losing jobs left right and center that have been focused and working in audio areas um some of those being composers and things like that because of uh the tools that are available now to write music for an advert or whatever as we're probably yeah. going to talk about there's, there's some really really interesting stuff but looking on that spotify i was just looking on the spotify uh r&d website some really interesting stuff on there they're doing things to do with belief propagation which um i think that Whoa. is it's like that to do terrifying. with message well, yeah, I think it's to do with like message message passing on in a type of algorithm, and then there's something interesting called audio con concatenative synthesis, which uh, I I had to look that up myself. And that is concatenative synthesis is a technique for synthesizing sounds by concatenating <laughs> conc concatenating. Yeah, thank you. Short concatenating. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Thank like you, trackers. Maybe that's the title. It's like trackers. Yeah. yeah. Taking short samples of recording sound, basically, and uh, and yeah, yeah, using I... them together. So they're doing some interesting stuff here. So we've got to keep an eye on this. You know, that there's a lot, a lot you can say about Spotify and streaming platforms, but then there's an even lot more you can say if they're getting into the kind of uh, music creation side of things or uh, deep learning audio generation because they say that they are doing this ai in collaboration with artists it's, it's all there on their website it's very very interesting stuff none of this is going to go well, that, away either it's interesting when you say in collaboration with artists i wonder if the collaboration is implicit when you just basically sign up for spotify and it's just a clause in a contract that you're never going to read because it says they could do whatever they want with whatever you uh, they are streaming on your behalf, which is often the case. You know, it's the same mm. with Facebook and all the other big tech. It's like anything you yeah. upload to these places, it's like you may think it's yours, and it sort of is, but that doesn't mean that it can't be repurposed in an ad for uh, a service that they could get paid millions for because they ultimately will. Yeah. Anyway, that's getting that's a bit dark, I suppose. But <laughs> I think I, mean, I think the technology is interesting. I mean, where where I'm I'm I, I'm a bit uncomfortable is the kind of notion of uh, of of it being applied to things that we won't necessarily be either be able to tell the difference or not care enough about the difference between it being generated and it being, you know, created by an actual human. I suppose we will uh, the light when the lines blur, we perhaps will lose the ability to discern 
because we don't, mm. we can't be bothered. You know, it's too difficult. It's like, oh, that's catchy. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's kind of like, you know, K-pop. So hold that thought. I'm going to pray a, a message from our friends over at uh, um, uh, Baby Audio, and then we'll come back to it because we've got another topic which is linked. And I think if we, you know, link them together, it's probably a good idea. Baby Audio make creative effects plugins designed to add colour and depth to your mixes. They won Plugin of the Year 2021 in Future Music and Computer Music Magazine, and they were nominated for the SOS Awards two years in a row. Crystalline is an algorithmic reverb plugin inspired by classic 20th century studio reverbs, but offering higher fidelity thanks to 21st century computing power. A reverb plugin with a variety of creative features, such as the ability to tempo sync pre-delay and reverb decay times. You can get 15% off when checking out with the code ST15. Uh, once again, we thank both Dom and Baby Audio uh, for supporting uh, the show. It's very much okay so this sort of brings it in i i'm i'm putting this all together so that we could you know if you don't if you don't you're not interested in ai you can skip the chapter markers and you can get on to some other stuff which we'll talk about as well later uh this was another thing i think this is uh paulie you found this one uh let's see what number it is it's number six if i press this one this is also linked it uses machine learning that is to the previous word hold on into mini Wait a sec. I'll find it in a minute. Let me see. I just need to find the bloody... Has AI taken Where's over your mouth? controls, Nick? It has. I don't know what's going on here. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, I know what it is. I just need to... I haven't actually put it in the system yet. You'll have to excuse me. Basically, this is... What, what we're looking at here is really the... Uh, it, it's Google's Music ML. Music... Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, music... Uh, uh, LM text. There we go. So I'm going to go here now. In yep. rapid growth of oh, text-to-image, text-to-video, or even text-to-3D AIs, we have witnessed the future models generating visual contents in a way that we have never seen before. The text-to-image generation aspect has been... This is a great... This is a really good video essay by a chap called ByCloud. Uh, and these are essentially examples of google's lm uh, technology with text prompts so you say i want uh, a racy sporty kind of uh uplifting music band and it'll it's a pretty interesting idea since it might guarantee and it makes some it. decent sound quality however this I think he. I think he's really gushing in his praise for how good it sounds. I wouldn't say it sounds great, but it, what's really interesting about this is it uses a data a specific data set, which is a set of musical samples, like five thousand musical samples, and these are like trackers. So that it, it's very similar to the concept of tracking, where it just basically seamlessly or relatively seamlessly joins a bunch of described samples together to create you know, in some cases, quite convincing pieces of music or interesting uh, and unusual co compositions. And that is, you know, this is sort of going on from where Spotify uh, is. And it's a really, it, I, 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 th I find it quite terrifying because what happens when we can't tell anymore? Sure. Um, I've got my tracker going behind me, by the way. Nice. Because you keep saying tracker, so it's like... Um, <laughs> it's voice activated so tracker. <clears throat> this one... This one is absolutely fascinating, and I think this might turn into a mental health podcast for five minutes, if that's okay. <laughs> of course it. But um, yeah. I think your your um, feelings towards this kind of tech, towards AI, are going to be 
largely guided by how much of your self-worth you put into making music, how much, you know, how much, how much worth do you give yourself for, for your musical output? Um, and it's something to be aware of because I, as an individual put a lot of worth on my, my musical output. And it's something that started from very young because being autistic, when I played a piece of music and people clapped, it was kind of the one, one of the few times where people would actually be nice to me, if you understand. Right. The rest sure. of the time, there was a po- positive response. Yeah. Positive response. And I think that creates such pathways in the brain um that you that it's almost kind of this stuff feels like a bit of a threat it means or is this something that's going to take away a learned um source of positive response now of course as i've grown in life and and been able to to learn to replicate social skills and to replicate other people I know that a lot of people like me for a load of different reasons other than my sheer musical output. But I think because these things happen young, I think it's it's still ingrained in me. So if if AI does become a thing, if it gets really, really good at producing music, and I mean kind of music that is, you know, doesn't sound like something that's been put together haphazardly that's got some thought and some harmonic you know um kind of yeah. interesting cadence to it then that's gonna be something i'm gonna have and i and a million other people are gonna have to take to therapy <laughs> basically <laughs> gonna have to just be like damn computers took our jobs um yeah and, I, and, I, and that yeah. so i'm aware of that response and that's why I'm, I've am i not got my torch and pitchfork yet and I'm not going down to the Google factory <laughs> because I know that, you know. I, I think it's really interesting because you, you've also got to bear in mind that creative the interfacing with creative individuals is either a joy because they completely understand you. If you're a film director and you're working with Hans Zimmer, who presumably is massively successful because he's really good at interfacing with a director and giving them what they want and making them feel ownership of the idea and all of that sort of stuff, then fine. If, on the other hand, you have to, you're talking to somebody and you need something or other for you know a, a musical purpose and you don't really understand dealing with creative people you don't really want to then you're just going to go yeah press the button i want that you know can you just type in what i need and i'll get that and that'll be fine but then what ultimately happens then is you know we then we then stop valuing that and i think that's a bit of a that's what concerns me it devalues that whole thing and it makes almost creativity more of a because we you know many people there aren't many people whose creativity just falls out of them it's like breathing you know and there are a few and it, we're always very impressed because it's so amazing you know jacob collier could just kind of turn around grab an instrument and play something that makes us all go wow i mean you know to to varying degrees depending on what your your taste yeah. is 
but most of us can't. So, you know, there might come a point where you say, it's not worth the effort, let's just press the button, you know, and that's what worries me a little bit. I don't know what you think about this, Matt, because, I mean, obviously, you know, you're dealing with teaching people to, to survive in this creative industry, and it's sort of worrying, right? Um, it is kind of worried that there is a worry, and I think Paulie's got loads of really great points there, absolutely. I also do sit on the other side of the fence, which is that, as, a, as an educator, we, we need to look at actually including these kind of things within the curriculum eventually. These things are not going to mm. go away. These are tools that potentially myself and other people are going to be using, whether it's for audio generation, visual generation, writing essays, whatever. Um, and they can be tools that can be really good. The chat GPT can be really good as a tool for helping for research, not necessarily academically sound because then you're going to have to go away and look at your sources and that kind of thing. But it's nevertheless, it's still a tool. This for creating music. Um, again, it's a tool and it could, you could find some really interesting ways of using it as a, to create sequences that, that you can't currently do. Um, mm. So I like to think of it like that. And there's, there are going to be some people who are going to use this and they're going to go random, creates a new track, that's it, that's my track. And just there's going to be, I think there'll be a lot of that. And I think there'll be a lot of it of people who use parts of it. Um, and I think there'll, there'll be people who will just use this exclusively and they'll do very, very well. And I, I think we've already seen um, the first AI pop star, didn't we, get signed to a label. It's now been dropped. But, um, oh yeah, because because supposedly yeah, that's right, that's um, right. Because the rap, yeah. the raps they generated, and this is the thing, because there's no concept of moral uh, uh, viewpoint. So a lot of the raps yeah. and a lot of the things that are generated were considered to be not non-inclusive and racist and sexist and misogynist. And it wasn't. It and that that was a, a major well, you know, problem. Obviously, that, that is a problem. Yeah, and I don't know if you know this, but I, my understanding is that Chat GPT. Um, has uh it, it won't reference particular racist misogynistic uh homophobic material my understanding is that actually already has filters built into it um okay. so i guess my question is you know can we make it filter out particular types of music like boy bands <laughs> and take that and, uh, yeah well i'm sure you can <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Um, well, okay. I, here's a, here's a bit of positive. So here's a bit of thoughts. Twenty it, it, at the moment, it only generates a 24k hertz bandwidth, which is not great. I mean, it's adequate. It's like a crappy MP3, like a quite a crappy MP3. So hopefully, that will be a, a signature. The other thing is. This is this take I, when you were saying, you know, the, it, this takes me back to the point where you know, it's like Blade Runner, where the whole premise of Blade Runner is they have to hire special people to tell what are robots and what are real people, and the the robots have to be kind of because they've they've sort of jumped over the divide. They're no longer under the control of the creator of the robot. They've gone rogue. They just do their own thing, and nobody can kind of cope with that. We're, this is this is actually much closer to that whole scenario than than I'd care to to to, to mm -hmm. like. Uh, it's and it sort of feels like, oh, this is not far away from that. Um, I mean, it's not. It's more benign. Obviously, uh, music's not necessarily going to kill you or go or go rogue or has any sort of physical attribute. But yeah, it's. I think it's a really sketchy thing. I mean, it's. We all go, wow, isn't that amazing? And we can be impressed by it. But actually, the ramifications of it without. It's like Asimov's rules, isn't it? The the robot rules that that. that 
you you can only make a robot that can that cannot do harm that can't do you know there are things that start out that way like good one of google's things wasn't it do no harm i mean that that didn't last long did it when in the face of commercial pressure and realism so we need some kind of we need to be careful really careful i think with where this goes and then who's in charge of it and what they use it for um, this is probably getting inside of our remit but it is music technology i mean this is this could yeah, have, it's, it's I suppose one, go anywhere. one thing one thing you could do is you could write something, tell something, uh, tell the music LA that there is no interface for this at the moment. I'm sure there will be at some point. But if you just sort of said, right, okay, I'm going to write this, write me a, a, a racy, sporty music bed, please. You get the MP3 file or the WAV file, and then you load it into the uh, mute, the Spotify engine, so you get all the MIDI out, and then you can basically interpret it and revoice it and maybe fix it. You know, things that that be some work. Work, I suppose, but it it feels a little bit sketchy somehow. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm a bit I'm, I'm a bit concerned, frankly. I feel like maybe we should go analog suddenly. Um, and I'm so <laughs> there. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for this because this is about as analog as you get. I got a I better not play any more of this because uh, I'll probably get busted for it. This is all Guinness World Record holder for the lowest for planet. I think it is just some, some kind of uh, something to 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 uh, uh, for a signal path. I'm not sure what the advertising thing is. One that uh, Chris Midiera uh, found and posted on the site, and it it's. He's got the lowest voice in the world, on the planet, you know, recorded, shall we say. There may be people with less voice. And me, after a big night out with a cold, I could, I, I could say maybe I could, I could get there, but probably not as mellifluous. But what a beautiful sound and what a... And what a, uh, an effect a voice that that with those characteristics has on you. And this is the sort of I suppose it's an antidote. I'm I'm bringing full analog into the into the deal to do this. I don't sing, or I mean it's, I haven't sung until since I last wrote a terrible demo about you know teenage and love. Um, and so I, I I can't really qualify as how difficult it is to sing that low, but. You sing a bit, Paulie. It's astonishing that somebody, a human, can make that. Apparently, he can go down to 40 yeah. hertz. He has a 10-octave vocal range. Should oh. we see how low we can sing, each of us? La. That'd be fun. That's about as low as I can go, I think. It's I don't know. Low. I was bought Matt. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not so low. <laughs> Oh, that's almost throat singing. That's my lowest. <laughs> I think the, I think the real challenge with the real challenge with this is 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 not making a low voice face because that is it's not <laughs> as an attractive it's not an attractive attribute. It really is. Low voice face. <laughs> Interesting. But he has the ability to sing in a a, a, a kind of tumbly attractive way. He's not having to constrict. Yes. He's oh. able to still use a lot of his uh, uh, vocal, his mouth to to, to yeah. articulate. I just think this this doesn't really have any point other than aren't human voices lovely? And uh, you couldn't do. Uh, I suppose you might be able to do that in AI, but maybe maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I just uh, love the way you. Oh, think we're getting a lot of comments. Here. 
you can almost hear those kind of individual oscillations when he gets really low. You know, when you get an oscillator and you and you go really low with it, and yeah. it just becomes clicks, doesn't it? Dunk, 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 dunk. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> it's is. almost, it, almost oh, there. I wonder, I mean, his vocal cords must be massive. I mean, mm. because for them to oscillate that slowly, they've got to be a certain length. It's really interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I know what That's they, true. They, there's not much more information other than the uh, than the actual kind of isn't this amazing? I'm afraid so. I'm, I don't have an awful lot to go for. Uh, that the musical arrangement by John McLemore, uh, written by Katie Summer, ten octave range, forty hertz, the lowest note he can sing apparently, which must be quite hard to record because not many microphones will go that low, but. Yeah, he must sound like, like a, infrasonic, isn't it? Like a like a crocodile or uh, an elephant or something. Like... <laughs> he attracting random animals or something like that. Yeah. He's, he's singing it, as he walks through the away. trails and he's followed by bears. <laughs> I was I was I was kind of interested, in like if that's affecting his brain because of the vibrations are so mm. low oh. and hard. You know, if that's could that. Could that be sort of semi-massaging his brain to an extent that it's actually causing him damage? Yeah. Or his eyeballs <laughs> may start vibrating. <laughs> I like I wanna see I wanna see him move objects across flat surfaces. That's what I yeah, that would be, I think <laughs> that would be good. I think that'd be party trick uh, uh, if, if at all you could do it anyway it's literally there's no other real um there's nothing else to say about that i just wanted yeah. to do that um yes have you ever have you ever seen vocal cords because i had a throat problem once and they put a camera down my throat and got me to right. sing just to see how i was singing to see if that was the problem it wasn't the problem actually it was something else but um some medication i was on was drying out my throat but vocal cords look absolutely disgusting. They can sound beautiful, yeah, like, but they look like a face sucker doing this. Yeah, they're like threads of uh, of red material, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, it goes back to your uh, uh, heavy curtains kind of uh, the quip at the beginning there. There was like vocal cords, heavy curtains. What's the difference? Okay, maybe that's the show. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm going to briefly mention this just purely because uh, there's a chap uh, who comments regularly on our uh, thread called Woody Forrest, who is a very apoplectic about all the things that we don't talk about. And he's been banging on about the the, uh, the MPC XL, uh, which I will play. Is it a thing? And this is... Uh, the, uh, Apparently, there's been, uh, or there have been, there, there was an article on Gear, um, Gear News. Uh, apparently, there's a piece of code uh, that was released which has a reference to a new MPC model. Uh, I have no idea about this. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody does, but it's 35th year of the MPC, apparently, this year. Um, I don't know if anybody knows anything or if anybody's really into the idea. I mean, I'm guessing personally what's more likely to be if it's mpc xl the thing it's most likely to have is going to be more polyphony more ram you know more storage because i can't see how it would have you know more pads would be weird because it wouldn't be an mpc then it would be a different thing i don't know if anybody has any uh, insight or would care to share what no. they actually <laughs> would was... like to see in an mpc xl yeah i was thinking about this because the mpc's the new ones are already quite big, aren't they? And you've got the screen and everything. And to make them even bigger, then it becomes impractical, really. Um, so I'm thinking it's probably something with more I.O., maybe something that you can interface with more things easier. 
yeah, I mean, how many pads do you need for an NPC just to keep adding more and more stuff like that? Um, so, yeah, I've really no idea what this is. Um, but it, it's interesting. I mean, it sounds to me like Akaya keeping their eye on the, on the ball with all that. I mean, I'm still using the Force. I love the Force that they did um, ah, over an okay. NPC. Um, I, I went with that just because it's it's very close to my heart in terms of using loop triggering, uh, kind of like Ableton. But not only that, that in the latest update, you can actually use it now to um, you can use it as like an audio. Uh, you, you can use it to generate CV and send it into your rack. So you could plug it into the Expert Sleepers DC coupled sound card fire midi out into that and then it'll fire it straight into your euro rack which is really really cool it's it's a brilliant thing i might be using it actually at the emon gig next next month it's the main brain so i really like that so yeah xl anyone in the chat know anything about it do drew drop us in there but well no because apparently according to woody uh the entire internet is aflame with it and i couldn't actually find any any concrete references as to what it might possibly be so i think that maybe he was exaggerating somewhat but uh, i'm getting back to him because he's been actually really quite rude in the comments and i just this is my way of uh, of, of just actually, giving him a little nudge say cool it bro somebody in the chat uh, bohemes just said maybe it includes a vinyl disc cutter add-on Oh, right. there's a thought. What a great idea. Know. What a great idea. Yeah. I know it's and inter- it's interesting the NPC is I mean it's 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 uh, it's like a religion. I mean, anything with NPC in the title always does well because it's it's like clickbait. People just love it, and there is a, an entire generation of music creators who just totally dig that. And it's interesting what you're saying, Matt, about because that there's that forking of the kind of of what was the OS that went also into uh, Force. But now Force has got its own hardware characteristics that now need a sort of different development pathway. So I don't know whether they've kind of painted themselves into the corner. But what do you? Think think an XL might be then, uh, Paulie? Oh, you're muted. Or have I muted you? No, you're Wait, muted. I was just saying, as long as it's Akoi Beige, we're good, aren't we? Yeah, well, I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not even sure that the X was. I think there's... I don't think it's that. I think there's the dark blue or I, I can't remember. I haven't had one in my hands, so I can't really uh, comment on that. I mean, we've had Andy Mack, who's a great demonstrator, come in and show us various things. The last thing he came showed us was the keyboard. But I think, Matt, you're probably on the on the right track with the uh, I, maybe more I.O., more memory, more anything else. Because I can't think what else they could put in it. You know, that maybe, you know, maybe they're going to put all of their all of the sample packs in it together with an SSD so you just get all of the MPC you possibly can in one purchase and you're sort of buy, pre-buying all of the stuff that it can do. But, I mean, to develop something which has that much more I.O. and that much more capability, I'm sure there must be limitations to what a CPU, the Linux core and the CPU can do in there. I mean, you, you, unless you're putting two and somehow merging, mangling the interface so that they address them separately. I, I mean, it would take such a massive amount of developing increase the amount of I.O., uh, uh, whereas the memory and the RAM, uh, the storage, those are things that you could actually change quite easily. Maybe, you know, you, mm-hmm. you make a nicer case for it, but essentially the brain is the same. So I, I, I hope that will satisfy uh, Woody's uh, desire for anything. Now we're probably criticising for not knowing what we're talking about, which obviously we don't because it's, it's just conjecture at this point, isn't it? And that's the whole point. Anyway, um, let's get a question, shall we? Shall we get into a couple of questions? Um, 
let me see. Uh, oh, do, oh gosh, there's actually quite a few coming in. Yeah, let's have this one because I think this is this would be quite interesting. So this one is in from Ben Ackland uh, via YouTube, and he says, "Any advice regarding the new M2 Max versus their M1 predecessors?" Uh, I don't know how any of us will have specific, but specific to do with large sample libraries and high virtual instrument uh, effect track counts. I, I can speak to this a little bit because ultimately. The efficiency in the you know the the processing the actual kind of the the virtual instrument and the polyphony count is not a problem even on base level ones. When you're getting into virtual instruments which maybe have a lot of samples, then you're having to spend a lot. You need the RAM. I mean the the, the disk I/O is incredibly fast on these things, so it can it can move memory around very very quickly. I'm not sure that all of the current sample-based instruments will have that level of sample management when they're dealing with limited amounts of RAM. I mean, it would require a kind of very specific set of code. So essentially, you know, if you need a lot of sample-based stuff, I would imagine your best bet is to buy a, a, a configuration with a large amount of RAM because you can't add the RAM afterwards, but you can put a lot of RAM in the new Mac minis. Uh, well, actually not masses, but certainly the uh, Mac Studios but it's starting to cost a lot of money because that RAM costs a lot of money. It's almost too fast for sample stuff. I mean, it's a waste to use it just for samples because it's so, so fast and the disk is so, so fast. So I don't know if there's a specific answer to that, but I mean, certainly for processing, polyphony and, uh, you know, just sort of VST count, then I think the new ones... M2 will just give you a bit more. I don't think the M1 will give you... Uh, uh, the M2 will give you... Uh, or M1, you'll get a massive difference, but it's the RAM that is going to make the biggest difference. I don't, I, you probably see this. I imagine, put, uh, uh, Matt, you have to, you know, talk people through how to use large orchestral sample libraries mm. and, you know, their, for their media composing setups. And th they run into that sort of thing because presumably you can't have the biggest specified computers for every student to use in your in your courses i mean it'd be ridiculous they cost so much yeah. money you know so well, well not only thought? that yeah every, every year i'm part of the big discussions about you know what we put on the computers for students and there's only so much space on the hard drive it's right what do we put on that what daws what software do we put on that what virtual instruments because everything's got to be on that hard drive at, at this moment in time even though we we give all the students a terabyte of cloud storage that cloud storage as we all know, he's not fast enough to stream sample libraries from, or even samples, really. I mean, I mean, thought, I mean, thinking about that, I mean, you've got things like Loop Cloud, for example, which we, we don't currently use, but that allows you to stream samples, doesn't it, almost in real time, straight into your DAW. So that, that for me, if, if we get to that point where we can do that from cloud storage, that'd be amazing, because I, I have... I've got quite a lot of cloud storage. I'd love to run stuff on there. But um, we're always telling students exactly what you've just said, Nick, which is RAM. It's the big one at the minute. And uh, save yourself a bit of money right now. Get the M1. Make sure it's maxed out with RAM. You'll be happy for many, many years, I'm sure. Um, I, remember the, I remember the days, back in the days. I remember the days when you used to have basically all your samples and recording stuff running off a separate hard drive. Uh, you know, when you use using the physical spinny disk mm. hard drives, just because you get that, uh, sometimes you get a bit of jitter or something like that from the fact that the drive's trying to read and do the OS stuff, uh, you know, physically yeah. moving that needle so about. And then you're also trying to write audio at the same time. So you'd, you'd have to do it on separate. Don't have that problem anymore. Makes me feel old. No. 
It's interesting. I mean, the, the, this is one of the things that uh, I know. I mean, this isn't like an Apple kind of advert or anything. I mean, but the the new M2s and the new uh, the Pro versions, the the, the disk bandwidth is bonkers it's something like eight gigs a second i mean it is more than wow. you will ever need for uh, and th these are the th this because it's designed oh. for moving large video stuff around it's almost the disc has almost become as fast as memory used to be the, the memory yeah. is even faster i don't know what it runs at now i couldn't tell you off the top of my head i know paulie i i, I, I mean you know in amiga world it's it's a it's not the same sort of issue that you have right <laughs> no no we're, we're dealing with like me megabytes here no, um, so my director has an M1 uh, for editing using DaVinci Resolve um, and absolutely loves the, the kind of speed and bandwidth and stuff like that, you know. Um, but I was just looking up uh, the difference and apparently the, M the M1 has 68 gig gigabyte second memory bandwidth. That's just going from memory to memory. And the M2 has 100 gigabytes, so that's, you know, another 40, 30 gigabytes a second. Um, that's not from disk, though. That's just, you know, um, memory RAM bandwidth. RAM, yeah. Running, yeah, RAM to RAM. Um, which seems, I mean, even 68 seems kind of ridiculous, you know, <laughs> for, for most um, uses. Yeah, but apart from big sample libraries, that's when you're going to run yeah. into trouble because it's there. I mean, where stuff can get moved around, but like I say, I don't think the sample management engines are designed to utilize that sort of level. They're utilized to oh. load stuff into RAM really quickly, but not necessarily ditch it off and move. Because you could actually, if you're really being clever about it, you could move stuff around so incredibly fast that it wouldn't yes. it wouldn't trouble you. But I don't think anybody who's written a sample playback engine is going to have invested that level of, of expertise in managing that super fast bandwidth. I think that's probably what we're talking about. I don't know if that answers your question. I do hope it does. Um, I, I realize it's uh, perhaps a little more. Uh, uh, this, this is one for you. Um, uh, uh, Paulie, I think. Uh, let's have a look. So this one is uh, from MIDI129 via YouTube. Uh, what's your go-to sampler for anything non-drums? Anything off the radar? That, he did say modern, but that doesn't... Modern could mean an awful lot of things, like post-Steam, post-Industrial Revolution, or last year. You choose. Let me think. Mo if I go, if I go modern-ish... Uh, sometimes, I mean, of course, I've, I kind of run contact on my uh, PC, which, mm. you know, is just really quick. But I really actually quite like the Korg Nautilus for, for samples. Oh, interesting. I'm not running loads and loads and loads of things in uh, gigabytes of stuff in there. But the engines are quite interesting with what you can do with samples in there. So you can uh, bung them into the FM engine as an operator. You can um, run them through. One thing I quite like doing is um, you can only do it monophonically. You can run a sample through the um, MS-20 engine and save that just as a, a preset. So that gives quite a different... Um, you know, playing with those MS-20-ish filters gives a nice distorted thing. Uh, That's the Nautilus there, right? And it's got a few gigs of sample memory that you load off hard drive when it when it boots up. Um, 
and it and it loads the thing that i like is it loads in sound fonts which i'm used to using you know the old creative sound blaster uh sound <laughs> fonts um right. which, oh, interesting which are, are super quick and easy to make you know set your key key splits and stuff and then bung them in and they work fine just as an important thing so yeah i quite like quite like the nautilus for um for that kind of thing but the rest of the time i'm using old samplers you know bounce and get into the Amiga at low bit rates, or I'll be going into the Ensonic or the Korg DSS-1 with the analog filters. Um, so, so yeah, it's usually it's old character samplers that I use. Just right, for, and is that because of the, is that the A to D and the D to A stuff or just the sort of general yeah. grit that the, those low resolution samples provide? There's, there's a bit of grit and the analog filters on some of them add something. But the 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 main reason is it kind of just makes me feel uh, if I'm if I'm not in a rush and I don't have to just rely on using software instruments to get a sketch out super quick, it just kind of feels cool and and it's like my happy place just messing around with hardware. I just really really actually enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, no, nice. I'd just like to point out my, my quip about uh, 8 gigs a second is way off uh, DDR5 RAM. You know, I mean, I think RAM, just 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 to put that in there, Mental Frisbee is uh, schooling me on the speed of general RAM. So uh, I, I bow to your bet. It was more of illustrative purposes only, I would like to say. And Matt, I'm guessing, you know, sampling, I mean, you get use Bitwig. I don't know, do you use um, the 1010 Music stuff, the black box and all that kind that's of thing? That's, yeah. that's a very, that's a powerful one, isn't it? Yeah, so powerful, man. Really, really powerful. Small form factor, touchscreen as well on it. And uh, the question was about non-drums. I usually use it. I do use it for kick drums and, and a few loops. But the main reason I use it is for it, it does that auto sampling. So if I've got a really cool sound within the modular, just like some really weird like wow, wow, wow. You could just plug it into that and it will do a multi-sample across the range of however many octaves you want, at what division of keys in one go while you go make a cup of tea and you come back and you've got a multi-sample of a weird noise that you've made in your euro rack that you could never get back again and dead dead quick i fill it up with stuff like that all the time and then sometimes when i'm playing live i'll i'll use that um to to play back cv that i've recorded into it so, ah, I will so record, it will record it will record dc stuff will it right okay Exactly, yeah. So if I've got a very complex envelope going on, you know, again, that you couldn't recreate if you if you tried, record that in. And then a lot of people was asking me, actually, in the last gig that I played, what I was doing, because you'll see me tapping on the bit box in time, which is generating these complex CV out. So I'm able to, in real time, play CV complex cv and send that out to different places and that might open a filter it might send something to an open into a, an effect send it might pitch something That's really interesting it, it, do it all over so uh, i love it for that really really powerful i really I, i've i've kind of toyed with the concept of the idea of sampling cvs and that but that really makes it so in the in the black box does it allow you to when you do a multi-sample is that all of the slots taken care of or is there a clip sort of type that is a multi-sample if you see what i mean no you've you've got uh, so many cells uh i think it's four by four so yeah 16 right, cells so it'll, it'll fill them and up you can right. 
you can fill that up with audio or you can fill that up with CV. You won't see CV just like audio. So uh, mine's the 1010 Bitbox Micro 2. So it's the even smaller version. Ah, that's a top tip. Well, thanks for that. And thanks for the Very question. Um, I, hope, I hope that's uh, uh, um, answered a bunch of questions. Well, I, I, we seem to have covered an awful lot. I know there's a bit on AI, but I think we're going to have to watch this. I think this is going to be creeping into our topics a lot more because I think this is accelerating so fast. I mean, there's other news about AI is, you know, we were talking about this yesterday. Vlad is a very uh, deep thinker about these. Vlad Kramer from uh, Pulsar, Sonar, Sonar uh, Electronics or Sonar Laboratories. I, I forget which it's called. Sonar Europe, let's call it. And it's really interesting to hear his thoughts about this and the way that, uh, you know, just the facts and figures about how some chat GPT in some cases can perform, outperform the most of the population when taking it, you know, certain types of examinations, say, shall we say, for instance, and they'll get anything from average to above average results and sometimes good, you know. So we have to keep an eye on this kind of thing because it's coming up fast. And in musical applications, you know, while we're very geared around recognising patterns, we're perhaps, uh, you know, th that's our biggest defence. Humans are good at recognising repetition and patterns and maybe that's what will stop us from being uh, overrun by robot chart music. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> that's closing thought. We'll say goodbye to everybody. Thank you so much, uh, Matt, for joining us. Thank you also, Paulie. Paulie, are you back to doing soundtrack work after this, presumably? Is that uh, you straight on the case? I've actually got a few days off, so I might do some 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 video or something for Magical Synth Adventure, you know, and uh, oh, excellent, uh, or maybe some more video for you guys, you know, because it went went so well. Oh well, we'll yeah, talk I've about it. Nice. from the from the ball and chain. <laughs> right, oh, I'm glad to hear it. Lovely. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, and uh, Matt Hodson, um, you've got a stream tonight, right? We've got to plug that at the beginning. You're talking to Jamie Liddell, are you? I am, yeah. I've got Jamie Liddell on at six o'clock on my YouTube channel. And uh, I saw him on Instagram. He, he basically posted this crazy-looking patch. He's got a massive module set up. And uh, it's kind of like, what's this? He's going to take us through it tonight because he's basically built a kind of modular looping machine and uh it looks really really interesting and anyone familiar with jamie's work you know that he's been working in that kind of loop world looping stuff for many many years through different iterations um with his past uh in using stuff like pure data um and super collider and that kind of stuff through to using the flow machine and uh and now through yeah. to modular seems to be his natural progression so he's gonna he's gonna take us through it all so join us at six o'clock if you want to ask any questions and get involved with the chat It'd be great to see you all I, thanks for having me i just tried to put his instagram up but that's what i'm getting the browser can't cope with me asking to show me an instagram photo because it's, <laughs> it's a big modular thing but that that's going to be really fascinating and that will be on what's the name of your channel is it maths 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 at maths maths math? how do you yeah. get to you on yeah YouTube? maths 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 or if you just, or if you just go to mathmathmath.com, you'll see it as the link in the, at the very, very top. And you can go there, hit subscribe, and if you hit the bell, you'll get notified whenever we go live. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I want to say thank you very much to all our chatties. I think we got some of it working. We've still got a couple of things to figure out, which is some of the cross postings not working, but I'm, I'm able to get, if you're posting questions now via YouTube, I get to see those. Uh, I want to say uh, thank you everybody uh, in the chat room. I'll fix the thing that I broke. Nice to see you all there. Uh, and also thanks to our Patreon supporters. If you're interested in supporting us, feel free to join us on patreon.com forward slash sonicstate.com.
com. No, Sonic State. You'll find it. I'm sure it's not that hard. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much. We'll see you all next time. Uh, that was the end of Sonic Talk. We'll see you later. Bye-bye now.